turn in our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians. We're in chapter 2 as we begin this uh, couple weeks into our study and we have seen how the Apostle Paul has gone from uh, telling of the Thessalonians a witness broadly and publicly to a place where he then talks about um, how he has given an integrity to the ministry and his calling. And now we see in this week how he becomes intimate uh, with them and shares not only the gospel but his love for them as well. So let us look to the Lord in prayer before we come to the word this morning. Heavenly Father, make the word of God come alive to me. Show us yourself within your word. Show us ourselves. But Lord, more than anything, show us our Savior. Lord, please allow the book to become alive for us this morning. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're looking at verses 7 through 12 this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being effectually desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you have become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. So you are witnesses and God also. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you, believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and his own glory. As we begin to unpack this passage, I want you to focus on, um, he's talking about two different metaphors, uh, a motherly metaphor and the fatherly metaphor. And so I'm going to start by having you look at a painting, and this is Rembrandt's uh, painting, one of his paintings, on the prodigal son. Now, I don't know if you can see it in this thing, but there is something unique. There's quite a few things that are unique about this painting, um, but one that the writers bring out is how if you look very closely, and hopefully you can see that, um, but both of the hands are different. One is a masculine hand and one is a feminine hand. So it's a, it's an understanding that I think Rembrandt really did grasp. I mean, I think Rembrandt was one of the, the greatest painters who understood uh, painting the gospel in real life. Um, but one of the things that I think he did grasp and understanding is that God brought both forth um, the representation of the characteristics of those of the mother as well as the father. And it's what Paul is trying to talk to us about this morning. There has to be characteristics that we bring as uh, gospel-oriented leaders in whatever ministry that we have that we are to bring both motherly characteristics and fatherly characteristics. And so that's what we're going to try to unpack this morning. So we start by looking at the motherly characteristics. And so if we're honest, again, um, and this, I know this won't be true, and I know that things are changing in society and culture, but for the most part, men and women do things differently in regards to nurturing children. So just a case in point in regards to sickness. So I have seen mothers that have had children who've gotten sick, thrown up in the bed, will walk their child into the bathroom, hold their hair, um, 
wipe their faces, get them uh, gum to freshen their breath. And uh, the kids would be saying, I'm so sorry, I threw up in the bed. Oh, honey, don't worry about it. It's okay. We'll spend hours cleaning up your throw up. It's not a problem. Now, is that typically how men deal with the sickness? I've heard of stories of people, men, who've gotten rubber gloves on, who have put um, clips on their nose so they couldn't smell it, actually put cigars in their mouth so there's smoke coming out. And there's one incident that I heard of, I don't know where I would have heard this from, but where there was throw up that was in the car. And the father, in regards to the child, said, could you not just roll down the window? Did you have to throw up in the car? Real edifying, right? Real nurturing. What about in regards to sacrifice? Not that any children in this church would ever say, Mom, I forgot, but I have to have this piece of clothing by tomorrow morning. Usually at 9 or 10 at night. Will you please do it? And the mother, after having a long day of doing everything that she needed to do, would say, Not a problem, I'll stay up and stay awake. You go to bed and I will finish and your clothes will be ready in the morning. As compared to a father figure who, again, might say, I don't care if you just wear underwear all day. You should have thought about this a little bit earlier. You should have maybe done this on your own. You should have do your own laundry. Again, if we're honest, most children, most people don't run to fathers for gentleness. I know that's not true for everybody. But Paul is picking up that again, it's usually the mothers who are reading the word. They're praying with their children a lot more than fathers in our day and age. They're the ones that sometimes get the privilege of hearing their children pray to accept Jesus for the first time. And then they just get to go and tell dad about what they've done. See, it's it's a blessing that God gives to mothers. And he's saying that there are some characteristics of leadership that come from the mothers that we need to be aware of as leaders in how we conduct ourselves. And the first thing he says is they are gentle, which means that they're a caring individual. So again, remember, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, I didn't come to rip you off. I came and I delight in sharing life and the gospel. And so there's a reality where, again, we, as we become caring people, we become people who are accepting, people who respect others, people who show compassion, people who share a tolerance for imperfections. We show patience, tenderheartedness, loyalty. Because it's part of our calling to be caring individuals. And not only just caring big picture, because sometimes that's easier. Yeah, I love the church. Well, what about loving this one person? Well, that person's hard. See, what Paul says is caring and gentleness has to not only be caring generally, but it has to be personal. He says it's like a nursing mother with her own child. It's where we present both love and truth to our offspring. It's where we present that passion. Why? Because, he says, because you've become affectionately desirous. Now, what does that mean? It means this. When we begin to share the gospel, excuse me, that's the thing that drives our love for one another. Or it should be. Again, we know that that even non-Christian people can share some love. 
But the thing that should drive us, especially in leadership, especially us in families, is that understanding that the gospel is the thing that so encompasses us, that so drives us, that that's how we begin to share and love with other people. Because it's the reality that we are the heralds for the king. We are the ones that get the urgency to listen to the Christ, to listen to God through his word and through the people. And again, one of the most loving things I can do for you is to make sure that I've prepared the lesson to preach to you. Because there's a lot of expectations. Everybody comes with different expectations of what we think love is or what the church should do or what pastors or elders or leadership should do for one another. We all come with different expectations. And if you don't do this, then I'm going to leave the church. See, the reality of what happens is that we should be first and foremost people of the word. Spending time in the word. Living out the word to one another. And as that begins to happen, what happens is we begin to share our lives. We begin to be willing to be uh, to spend on other people and to be spent. And why do we do that? Because he says, because they become so dear to us. Again, the, the part of the, the reality of what church should be is that this should be a place of peace and unity. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have disagreements. We don't have struggles with each other there's different ways that people think ministry should be done there's different ways that people think that money should be spent there's different ways that people should be greeted or whatever but but all that aside not one person should come in here and look at someone in the the room and say i'm not going to sit next to that person because i don't like them this is family and it's a place where, again, if we understand what Christ and what God has done for us through Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, then we should be that to one another. We should care about peace and unity. We should have a godly concern for one another in good times as well as in bad times and hard times. See, what he says, he says the, the motherly characteristics is she's someone who gives away. And if we're honest, there is the reality of labor and toil in ministry. Ministry can be hard. Sometimes you all don't go to the hospital at convenient times. Sometimes people's lives are in shambles. Sometimes you get phone calls at weird hours. There are times where, again, there are things that I miss in my own kids' lives because I'm at other people's kids' things. And sometimes, if we're honest, sometimes we're just like, oh, man, I'm tired. And listen, we can love one another of our own strength for a little while. But it's when we truly have the gospel that we begin to love the way that Christ loves, self-sacrificially. self-sacrificially. It's servanthood. You know what? That's hard. For those that have um, relatives in long-term care, you want to take care of them? You want to wash them, bathe them, feed them, take care of them? Well, well, that sounds really good for a week or two, maybe even a month. But years, it's tiresome. It's hard. And Paul says that what we are to be as we have Christ, as Christ becomes all for us, then As he laid down his life for his people, we're to lay down our lives. We're supposed to serve when it's hard. God didn't call us to a a place where he said, hey, when you come to Christ, everything's going to get easy. You're going to be good looking. You're going to make lots of money. And everything is going to be smooth waters for the rest of your life because you're a Christian. A lot of times it's just the opposite. 
things become harder. And so what he does, he says, I want you to begin to, to understand that in leadership, you're supposed to have this characteristic. He gives us a, an example from Epaphras. This comes from Colossians 4, 12 through 13. And it says, Epaphras, who is one of you? This is to the Colossians. He's a servant of Jesus Christ and he greets you. And listen to what he does. He's always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. He's not just praying for you. He's struggling for you in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. Now, we're going to get new shepherding groups. We have a new elder, Stan Thurman. So we're going to shuffle the groups again. You have every right, and you can tell your elder this, you can go to every elder, and especially your shepherding elder, and ask them the question, are you struggling for me in your prayers? And they should be able to answer, yes. But in the same vein, I would ask, are you praying for your leaders? Do you pray for your staff? Do you pray for those in leadership? Are you willing to follow? Are you willing to encourage your leaders? See, the reality is in the midst of labor and toil, Paul said this to them, I don't want to be a burden. And again, that's the struggle, isn't it, sometimes? See, Paul did it by saying, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make money on my own. He he was a tent maker by day, but then he used all of his other time to minister to a church all the rest of the time so that he was not a burden. Why? Because he was serving God. And when we serve God, what that means is we have to begin to serve one another. And again, that, you know, we've, we've kind of cleaned up that, that statement, I think. But if we really thought about it, I mean, what it's saying is we're to be slaves to one another. Now that doesn't sound fun. And I've done this because I'm a good Christian person, but I've done this with teenagers before. I've washed the children's feet, the teenagers' feet. Now that sounded really good when I started. Oh, I'm going to show them how, how loving and, and great of a youth pastor I am. Right until the time you have them take off their feet, their, their shoes and their socks and you actually smell their feet. And you're just like, my gosh, how much toe jam do you have? Do you understand what Christ has called us to do to each other? We're to serve like a slave. It's sacrificial love. It's like the mother who gives and gets up in the middle of the night. It's the mother that continually wipes the noses, that continually changes diapers. It's the mother that continually wipes up after sickness, continues to put food on the table, and not once asks for a thank you. So Paul says, be gentle like a mother. Be affectionless, desirous of each other. And as you have opportunity, give even when the giving is hard. And then he switches and he starts to talk about how fathers also are to give in regards to leadership. And so what he does, he starts to talk about first the character that men are supposed to have and what they're to bring to bring. And so the first thing he says in regards to character, I want to be holy. Now, the way you kind of look at this when he says holy, righteous, and blameless, they have different um, audiences. The first one is to God alone. It's a personal relationship to God. See, we're supposed to be people who are set apart, who understand repentance. You know, one of the most um, things that I think has, has meant the most to my children, 
is when I've had to apologize. I don't remember my dad ever <laughs> apologizing to me. Now that's, don't write me notes, don't say I need to go to counseling. I don't, okay? However, to humble yourself, to ask forgiveness of your spouse, of your children, of your church members, is an example of holiness. It's an example where we, again, we cannot lead anyone where we have not tread. If you want people to live holy lives, live a holy life. Repent. Keep short accounts. Ask forgiveness. Show mercy and grace. And the second thing he talks about is righteousness. And righteousness is regards to others. It's where we begin to show justice to all. You notice that how no one, no one has ever said this following statement. I was loved too much. No one's ever said that. So how do we love others? We understand we, we can't control anybody else's heart, but we can control ourselves. We control our anger. We can control our selfishness, our pride, our tongue, so that when we are, are brought before others, they can say this person is righteous because of Christ, and then he seeks to live righteousness out to others. And then the third thing that he talks about in regards to character is being blameless. And this is in regards to the world. So it means there's no scandal or offense. And again, I, I use an example a lot. And again, it's, it's not to beat anyone up. I'm not speaking to any one person. Don't write me notes or send me an email. Okay? Um, but usually on Tuesdays, that's my day to go to movies. And I go to movies because it's $2 Cokes, $2 Popcorns. But it also seems like every gray hair person in Brevard County goes to the movies the same day. So it's usually me and a lot of older people. But you know what? Just because people turn older doesn't mean that they don't sneak stuff into the movie theater. Actually, they're a little bit more brazen about it. They don't even care if things are sticking out of their purses. They don't care. Now, again, it's not because I am a holy person so other that I look down upon those who take in stuff to movie theaters. Truly, part of the reason why I put carts back in their cart spots and I don't take outside um, Cokes and candy into the movie theater because I never want to be stopped by someone and said, what do you do for a living? And me to say to them, well, I'm a pastor, but I have no problem breaking your rules. But please, by all means, come to my church. And let me tell you about the truths of the gospel and how Christ was holy for you. So I know I'm not perfect, but I do try because of Christ to be blameless. So there's no offense, there's no scandal when people come to Christ and this church. So he talks about their character, but then he also talks about conduct. Now, there is a difference between men and women again. And again, I can't say this for every family. I hope you don't get offended by like, I'm not like that. Okay. But most times, if kids are wanting to have something that's going to risk their lives, they don't go to mom. They go to dad. 
Dad, I want to cut my hand off with this chainsaw. Will you teach me? You bet. You bet I will. Because it's part of the male DNA. We want our children to risk some. But we do it with the right perspective. Hopefully doing what this says, exhorting, encouraging, charging our children. That's also a lot of the time why most children ask their dad to teach them to drive, especially a stick. Why? Because most men don't have a problem sitting with their life in the hands of their children, shaking back and forth at the stoplight. That's okay. Everybody behind us is beeping at you. I understand that. Don't make eye contact. Just keep focused. This next light, you will make it. I promise you will make it. It's okay. It's okay. You just turn. Okay? If someone gets out of their car, I will deal with it. Because it's an encouraging kind of a thing. It's, it's something that, that a dad wouldn't typically do at the house in regards to cooking a meal. But it's something that, I don't know, God gives to us to encourage our kids when it's stepping out. But one of the things that we've got to remember as, as men is that it's just not supplying for our kids' physical needs. We're called to be the spiritual head. We don't just stop with making the money and paying the bills and let mom take over the spiritual lives. We're called to be the head of the house. We're called to be the spiritual leader. And it's to this that Paul's saying, hey, this is the kind of conduct that men should have in regards to leadership. First thing we need to do is to exhort them, which means that we need to inform and we need to perform the duties that the biblical standards require of us. People should never have to ask, what does God require of us? Because we as leaders have shown them and informed them, but not only done that but we've performed it and called them to task we exhort them to live as becomes a follower of christ the second thing that we're called to do is to encourage so we're supposed to cheer their spirits in difficulty and disappointments again paul's coming to a church that's struggling and he says i want to encourage you it's like where when david was down who did god send he sent jonathan we're to be encouragers of one another You can do this. Start over. You've got this. And only that, we're to be people who charge. And charging means coming alongside. It's it's a father charging his children of this is what you should do. And you know what the Bible tells us that we're supposed to do? It comes from Hebrews 12 too. Looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus because he is the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He, this is why we do what we do. This is the most important thing. That's why we sang the song, All is for Christ. That's what it was for Paul. Everything was about Jesus. And it didn't matter whether he was beaten, imprisoned, or anything like that. It was worth going and preaching the gospel. Because that's everything. And so here's the character that you're supposed to have. Here's the conduct. But there is a calling that he gives to us. And the calling is the first thing to his kingdom. See, here's the reality. If you are a Christian, you are already citizens of the king. You're already citizens 
So the call to us is now to walk in a worthy manner of what it means to live as becomes followers of Christ. And it's not always easy, I understand it. It's not always easy to deal with Satan. Satan whispers in our ears all the time. One of the pastors made this statement. He says, you know how I deal with Satan? I tell Satan, look into the cross. And only that, Satan, but I want you to stick around to see what I become when Christ comes again. Fight! The good fight because you, if you are a Christian, are a child of the king. So behave in a way that the king would be proud. And how we do that because we keep all things in the perspective of do we give all the glory and honor to him. See, you've been given a high and holy calling. See, we're no longer held by sin. We're given unto righteousness. And so everything that we should do, everything in our ministry, everything in our leadership, for everything that we do should be done this way. Jesus has got to become greater and we become less. That's what he gave us. He gave us the example of a humble slave who came and gave his life, went to the cross, paid for our sins, gives to us his righteousness. And what does he get out of the deal? You and me. Filthy nasty, self-centered, bigoted sinners, but who are saved by grace. Saved by grace unto good purposes. That's who we're to be. That's who Paul was, and that's where Paul leads us as we come to the table this morning. Listen, every moment matters Every person is significant and every task is important because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we prayed at the beginning that you would allow the word to minister to us, that it would become alive. And Father, we know that you've promised and you've already taught us through this book that your word does not come back void, but it accomplishes its purposes. And so, Father, I would ask that the Holy Spirit would come and minister to each person in its own unique way. Comfort the hurting. Encourage those who find themselves in the midst of trials and hardships and struggles. Lord, bring gentleness to those who need nurture. Lord, bring encouragement to those who need to see Jesus clearly. Or may we truly bring both the motherly and fatherly characteristics that are found in Christ and in God the Father. So Lord, let us come to the table and celebrate that you gave your son the one perfect sacrifice. And now you see him as the groom who waits for his bride, the church, to come in her gown that was washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Or may we celebrate the gospel message new and fresh today. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I would ask that you would, as we prepare ourselves to come to the Lord's Supper, that you would stand. And that you would give this confession 